Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday, June 19th, 2018. And welcome to the call. So tonight we're going to work. We're going to talk with uh, Walter Check, and Walter's got some really exciting information about traffic court and court in general. Things that you can do to take control of those situations or take better control of it. So take it away, Walter. Oh, good. Okay. Well, uh, the the ground we're going to cover. I'm going to cover a pretty wide number of things here and that uh, 10 or 15 pages or more of documentation I'm going to go through that I put together. Um, when you go into court, there's several things you remember to begin with. Uh, you always want to, first of all, your attitude is to go slow and question everything. Okay, And you want to ask for the facts and don't accept any opinions. And these include the words of uh, law, statute, state, city, jurisdiction, license, you know, constitution, etc. And each one is an opinion, and that really does not reflect the reality or verifiable experience. And you always ask them to tell you what is factually. Don't let them off hook because they, because you think you understand or you think it is obvious. Because uh, first of all, the terms they use are basically are totally totally wrong compared to what they think they are. Typically, people think one word means one thing, and they're they're interpreting it to mean something else entirely different. So if it's obvious, then it can be demonstrated easily. Don't don't want to take a position unless it's using the one that they have already stood forth. And then um, your opinions can be rejected, so you only use theirs. So basically, when you ask them a question, okay, they are putting what they're what they believe in, and basically you can take that expression what they're saying and and uh, counter that by questioning it further. Okay, and this will also, of course, will contradict uh, their statements if you ask the right questions. And for example, do we have basic human rights, or does your control does your control uh, uh, handle jurisdiction over my life depending on my freely given consent. Okay, now, one thing to begin with, when you go in the court, uh, most people really need counsel, okay? And there's a statement here coming from Gideon versus Wainwright, it's under 372 U.S. 335, and it says, uh, basically states that all, all non-lawyers are legally incapable of defending themselves regardless of their educational level, and it states that even the intelligent and educated layman has small and sometimes no skill in the science of the science of law. If charged with crime, he is incapable, generally, of determining for himself whether the indictment is good or bad. He is unfamiliar with the rules of evidence. Thus, without the aid of counsel, he 
they put on the steering was that Sorry a proper that. change, was a proper charge, and convicted upon incompetent evidence or evidence irrelevant to the issue or otherwise inadmissible. He lacks both the skill and knowledge adequately to prepare his defense, even though he has a perfect one. He requires the guiding hand of counsel at every step in the proceedings against him. Without it, though he be not guilty, he faces the danger of conviction because he does not know how to establish his innocence. And again, that's from Gideon versus Wainwright. Now, another thing, too, is that when you go into a court, the judge is demanding that you have a lawyer represent you. And they simply say you lack standing because you're not a bar member. But you can solve that with three congressional mandates. And this under the United States Attorney Manual 3.2-110, it states that the Judiciary Committee created in 1789, uh, the AG uh, Attorney General appointed by a president of the people who are learned in the law, not color of law, with the consent of Congress. They have the right to enter in the courtroom, but must be learned in the law. Private, there was a Private Attorney General Act of 1866, the Title 42 of 1988, gives, gives you the authority to walk into uh, civil and criminal cases, okay, as counsel. And then also you look under the Administrative Procedures Act under Senate Bill 7, Six zero, uh, stat title five, section two thirty seven. And you say, what is the congressional mandate to create the bar association that requires me to be a bar member, or or the full accuracy of test file? And then under section six, so basically, you're asking the the judge here, where is the mandate that I have to have an attorney? All right. And then under section six, except as otherwise provided in this act under A for appearance, any person compelled to appear in person before any agency or representative, therefore, or thereof, I mean, shall be accorded the right to be accompanied, represented, representative. Each party shall be accorded the right to appear in person or by or with counsel or other duly qualified representative in any agency proceeding. So far as the orderly contact of public business permits, any interested person, and that's very important, any interested person may appear before an agency or its responsible officers or employees uh, for the presentation. Now, there's, as for the presentation, adjustment, or determination of any issue, request, or controversy in any proceeding as interlocutory, summary, or otherwise, or in connection with any agency function. Now, did it, say, did it say that anything about being an attorney in there? No, it doesn't say that. And then the next part, it says, every agency shall proceed with reasonable dispatch to conclude any matter presented to it except that due regard shall be had for the convenience and necessity of the parties or the representative representatives. Nothing herein shall be construed either to grant or deny any person who is not a lawyer the right to appear for or represent others before any agency 
or in any agency proceeding. So it's very clear anybody really can come in as counsel, even though the people are refused to by the courts. That is a congressional mandate right there. And then under Section 10, except so far as, one, statutes preclude judicial review, or two, agency action is by law committed to agency discretion. And there are several different areas. There's under right of review, there's form and venue of action, where there's reviewable acts, interim relief, and scope for review. I'm not going to go through all of that because it's quite a bit. And then you have uh, this is to compel agency action unlawfully withheld or, or, or unreasonably delayed. And let's see here what happened to my screen here. Uh, and um, and uh, B, uh, hold unlawful and set aside agency action findings and conclusions found to be, number one, arbitrary, capricious, and abusive discretion or otherwise not in accordance with law, two, contrary to constitutional right, power, privilege, or immunity, three, in excess of statutory jurisdiction, authority, or limitations, or short of statutory right, or number four, without observance of procedure required by law. Uh, for example, one thing is uh, people are being denied due process, so that would fall in that area there, right, right on the spot. Okay, number five, this would be unsupported by substantial evidence in any case subject to the requirements of Section 7 or 8 or otherwise reviewed on the record of an agency hearing provided by statute or six unwarranted by the facts to the extent that the facts are subject to trial de novo or by uh, or by the reviewing court. In making the foregoing determinations, the court shall review the whole record or such portions thereof as may be cited by any party and due account shall be taken under the rule of pre prejudicial error. So, so along with this, um, uh, you have to keep in mind these are things that this controls them. They, they're not required again to have you have an a, uh, actual attorney in there. You can use anybody of your choice that's really learned learn in the law. Okay. And then uh, when you stick um, when you stick to this, oh okay, basically you're more than capable of defending yourself. Okay. And uh, always ask uh, whose opinion is relevant, the state lawyer, the judge, or the Supreme Court? And to so remind them to be responsive to the question you're asking. You know, it's important not to improvise the questions. They're worded a certain way to purposely box them into a corner. Anything that is non-responsive, including answers beyond yes or no, you always object and say, objection, non-responsive, move to strike. That way, this strikes their statement from being recorded uh, into the record. Okay. Now, they will do and say whatever they have to in order to keep you off point because uh, this would be including intimidation and disparaging you, and you basically want to ignore it and keep them on point and request that they be responsive. You don't argue, and if they don't throw it out when it is clear, you make a note of it and move on. You always remember not to go in to prove your right or teach them something. A lot of people think they need to teach the court law. 
Well, the court is supposed to know what the law is. It's not your job to do it, right? Now, you also want to challenge the appearance of the attorney claiming to represent the so-called state. So you you use the questions in regards to the complaining party, and you want the attorney to bring forth evidence of a complaining party. Now, without this evidence, there's no case. Now, he has to prove he represents someone other than himself who is standing to, standing to complain. For example, if you violated a legal right that resulted in damage. Now, so you always, as you go along, you always want to write the answers down, and you always repeat throughout that you're not a lawyer and you don't understand. Now, another word of looking at, another way of looking at the word understand is stand under. When you when you say you don't un, don't understand, you're saying you don't stand under their jurisdiction. And uh, you always object to anything you think is not fair or proper and also if you don't understand it. Now, objections are based on relevance are big with the state lawyers. You expect tons of them and gear your questions to getting them or the judge to admit the relevance for you ahead of time. Questions are geared to getting the judge to sustain an objection the witness is not able, competent to testify. Now, when this happens, or any time the judge says a witness cannot or is incompetent to testify, you always ask for the testimony to be stricken. These questions can be used at the first appearance or when questioning witness on cross-examination. So for example, if you ask a cop the questions because uh, you're supposed to be entitled to confront your, confront your accuser and demand the nature and cause of the charges and proceedings against you. And if the questions are not answered, then you're not being informed of the nature and cause of the charges and proceedings, and you cannot defend yourself. Notwithstanding, you're legally incapable of defending yourself, and you are uh, you you are uh, you're supposed to getting a fair and meaningful hearing. So you want to have them be non-responsive as part of the part of the objective, and the judge will cause. The, Call the case and ask how you plead, guilty or not guilty. And you say, um, sir, and you never want to really address the judge as your honor because they're not really representing the law. Uh, you say, I'm not a lawyer and I just don't understand these proceedings. I intend on pleading guilty to the facts. And that's, that's very significant right there. When you say you're guilty to the facts, they have to prove, first of all, there are facts, which is called evidence. So you hand them the unsigned plea of guilty and then and, and, and for paying the fine. But I do, you see, you do, you do have some questions before you can do that. So you repeat that, again, that you're not a lawyer and you don't understand. So first thing you would say is, am I entitled to a fair hearing? They'll say, you know, answer yes or no. And so, and then move on from there and say, say, what a fair hearing, you'll have to say yes on that. But next one, would a fair hearing require the judge to respect those basic human rights? You'll have to say yes. And you say, am I entitled to a meaningful hearing? And you'll say, you'll have to say yes. And you say, what are the consequences of any if you don't give me a fair and meaningful hearing? And so they'll have to say, well, 
Well, basically, you have to say that basically the trial the hearing, uh, if it's not fair, then, then the proceedings are incorrect and should be adjourned. But anyway, uh, then you say, am I entitled to be informed of the nature and cause of the charges and proceedings against me? And yes or no. And then would you, next one, would, would your orders and judgment be valid if I don't get a fair hearing? That's yes or no. And then uh, next is, would you seek uh, to enforce your orders if there was no evidence of jurisdiction over you? And that's, again, yes or no. And what rules, if any, govern the proceedings here? And then, and then next, do you have to comply with all of the rules, yes or no? And then are the rules you can ignore, yes or no? So this is, as you, as you move along here, you're pressing them more into corners here. And he says, next, if yes, which ones and why? And then do the constitutions, uh, U.S., and and also for the state that you're in, uh, govern these proceedings, yes or no? Uh, and they'll have to say yes. And then do you have to comply with the constitutions, or are there any clause you can ignore, yes or no? So if, he, if he's answering all the questions correctly, okay, you'll have to say no on that, right? And he'll have to say yes, so he has to comply with constitutions, and he can't ignore anything. And then, if he says yes, you know, which ones and why? And then you say, is this ticket consistent with the constitutions, yes or no? And then the next question is, everything is everything on this ticket true and correct, yes or no? And next, will a meaningful and fair uh, hearing require responsive answers to questions you ask. Okay, yes or no. Uh, uh, let me let me break right here and take a break for a second. Does anybody have any questions so far? I'm covering a lot of stuff and I have a lot more to go. So I don't want to get anybody lost. We have somebody in East Maryland. When your phone unmutes, it's your turn. Maryland, you had your hand raised. Your phone just unmuted. Go ahead. Uh, I didn't have a question. Sorry. Okay, star six is to mute instead of star eight. It's star six. Oh, all right. Sorry. Okay, if okay. anybody has any questions, hit star eight. Otherwise, we're going to continue. All right. No more uh, questions. Uh, it doesn't look like it, so uh, uh, hold on. Hold on. I think some. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. All right. And next one, if I ask questions because I do not understand what's going on, can I expect a responsive answer? And you say yes or no for that answer. Then you say, am I entitled to responsive answers to my questions, yes or no? And next, would a hearing be fair and meaningful if I did get responses and answers to my questions, yes or no? And next, can I get a fair and meaningful hearing if there's a conflict of interest, yes or no? Of course, if there's a conflict of interest, it's not a fair hearing. It's not meaningful. Uh, Next, are the prosecutor's arguments and legal opinions admissible as evidence against me, yes or no? Next, do they have to be supported by facts? That's facts, right? Not opinions. Provided by a witness, uh, typically with first-hand knowledge, and and also you're asking if you're permitted to cross-examine, yes or no. 
and then next, uh, who has the burden of proof in the proceedings? Okay, and then uh, that's whoever, of course, that's always the person bringing the charges. They have to have the proof of that. Uh, that goes back to the Administrative Procedure Act, Article 5, Section 5, 5, 6D, says that the proponent of a rule or order has the burden of proof. Okay, and the next one is, are you, the judge, and state lawyer, if there is one, permitted to testify in the proceedings? Yes or no? And typically they're not. Okay, and then for the criminal case, is that burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt or a preponderance of evidence? And it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt, actually, for criminal case. And the next for, <clears throat> for the civil case, is that burden of proof beyond a reasonable doubt or preponderance of evidence? And, of course, that's preponderance of evidence. You're not going to tell them what the answer is, but just, just what, what, what they should say. Uh, when you say evidence, does that mean facts or opinions? Now, that's very important. Facts are based on evidence. Opinions are basically uh, opinions that a person can hold, which are not based on any evidence. So there's a big difference in there. So evidence really has to be based on facts. Okay, next, does the burden of proof apply to each element of the crime? Yes or no? And it does. It has to has to go to each element. Okay, next is, do I have a right to confront witnesses against me? Yes or no? And here, here's one thing that you can do, which is really cool. If it's the state of Arizona or some insurance company that's, that's uh, coming against you or whatever, you demand, uh, you demand and directly cross-examine that fiction to ensure that all of the statements by the fiction are true, complete, certain, and not misleading. That's directly cross-examine them because you have a right to face your accuser, right? They can't do it with a fiction, though, because and if the attorney speaks for the, for the fiction, the attorney is not the fiction, so basically you want to have all that information disregarded right there on the spot because it's not the fiction. And then... Um, let's say another one is um, uh, so you say do I have a do I have a right to confront witnesses against me? Yes or no? And then if if no, how can I get a fair and meaningful hearing if I can't confront the witnesses you rely on? Actually, you can't. If you can't confront them, there's no verification of their statements, right? And next, uh, do I have a right to challenge any and all evidence being used against me? Yes or no? And next, if no, how can I get a fair and meaningful hearing if I can't challenge evidence you rely on? So if they're relying on certain evidence and you can't and you can't uh, challenge it, okay, basically it's, n it's never confirmed that it can't be really used evidence, right? Uh, next, uh, could this court proceed against me if the alleged plaintiff lacks standing to complain against me? Yes or no? So if they if they don't have the standing to complain against you, in other words, if there was no crime or injury uh, to cause the complaint, okay, then they, have, they don't have any standing to move against you, period. Okay, would I have to enter a plea when there was no cause of action presented? They have to have a cause of action. 
If it's not there, then there's no plea. You don't, you don't have to enter a plea on something that doesn't exist. And then um, would I have to enter a plea if there was no crime presented, yes or no? And then so if there's no crime, if there's no crime that was, that was given and shown, how can you plead something that doesn't exist again? And then would I have to enter a plea if the alleged plaintiff asks standing to complain against me, yes or no? Okay, so if they... If they um, if they ask standing, okay, they have to have standing to begin with. They can't ask standing from the court to complain against you. They have a complaint or they don't have a complaint. Uh, one example of this, one of the cases I'm doing right now, the the attorney coming against this party, they, they, the complaint was 44 pages with 114 paragraphs. And it was just like one paragraph or another listing one statute, code, rule, and regulation after another, like this person is supposed to commit all these violations just by listing the violations, right? Basically, there's no standing there because he's never saying he did anything just by listing, listing the uh, statutes, right? Uh, next, what I have to enter a plea if there is no jurisdiction against me. Well, if there is no jurisdiction, no jurisdiction against you, what are you doing there? Why should you have a plea to, to what if there's no jurisdiction? Jurisdiction is really control over you, right? And then would there be a crime if there was no jurisdiction? Yes or no? So you're asking the judge all this as we go through here. And then is the jurisdiction an element of the alleged crime? Yes or no? And so... Um, if they have a presumed innocent question, that will contradict uh, their answer there, if, if the answer is yes. If no, you say, well, so the one bringing the complaint is not required to prove jurisdiction, yes or no. So if they, if they either way, they're messed up, okay? The next, does this ticket present a justifiable case or controversy? Yes or no. So it has to have a justifiable case or controversy. If not, what are you doing there? Okay? It's just based answering to a fictional complaint. Uh, Next, would I have to enter a plea if a justifiable case or controversy has not been presented? Yes or no. And next, do you agree with this United States Supreme Court ruling that for example, loans only adjudicate justifiable controversies, and that's the United States versus ICC under 337 U.S. 426-430-1949 case. And then, then you say, does that apply to you and this court, yes or no? And then you say, this court only justifies justifiable controversies, yes or no? So that, these are the end of the basic set of questions for them to begin with. Does anybody have any questions so far? If you have any questions, hit star 8 on your phone, please. And we'll call on you. Star 8, anybody, anybody, step up to the plate, star 8. I guess nobody has any questions. All right, that's fine. Either I'm very clear or I'm not. <laughs> Next. 
is this a criminal complaint? Yes or no? And then you say, am I presumed innocent of this alleged crime? Yes or no? You have to be presumed innocent to begin with. They can't say you're presumed guilty right away. Am I presumed innocent of every element of this alleged crime? Yes or no? And and you say, so you, sir, or judge, presume there is no jurisdiction? Yes or no? We have to presume uh, jurisdiction. That's why they're there. Okay, then you say he he uh, he may have already said you will presume innocent of every element of the alleged crime. You may have to point out the contradiction. Remember, the burden of proof has already been established. And next thing is there evidence of a complaining party. A responsible a responsible responsive answer is only yes or no. And so. If he says something else beside that, you say uh, you did not ask if there was a complaining party or who you think it is. You ask there is a you ask is there evidence of a complaining party? Yes or no. So we have somebody with a question. Yes. Okay, California. I'm going to mute and then unmute. Go ahead, Hi, California. So a minute ago, you said that they, the court had to have causes of action to proceed against you, and as yes. you just mentioned, okay, and as you just mentioned a moment ago, the um, all of these, well, not all, but the most of the moving violations are considered criminal actions. That's my information. I think you're concurring. Yes, yeah, well, they're, they're actually they're criminal, but. When you study it, there's, there's no criminal action that are really civil, but that's another issue. Uh, for the purpose of the conversation, I'll call them criminal, but uh, go ahead. Okay, thanks. So when the, when you said a moment ago they have to have a cause of action to be able to proceed against you, can yes. they basically say that your excessive speed or your failure to stop or turn signal or whatever the case may be, can they – Use those as causes of action. Well, they can, they can, they can say their cause of action. But here's here's the problem with all of this. Okay, you're entitled to a fair trial, and basically the trial is set up where there's no conflict of interest. So if you have every element that's coming against you is from the state. There is a conflict of interest right there. Uh, so that's another issue in itself. But there, this by not by by violating a statute. A statute is a code. Okay, a statute is code. Uh, basically, I'll get into this a little bit more uh, as far as the questions on this, and you'll see where I'm coming from. All right. Okay. As you follow this through, you'll see where I'm coming from. It puts them in a total box, which would essentially, which would essentially take away their ability to create those causes of action. That's kind of where you're taking us. That's correct. All right. So if you follow through, listen to me, and hopefully I'm totally clear in expressing this, you can understand it. It'll put it all together here in your mind how this how this really works. Very good. I'll continue to listen. Thank you. Good. So, so basically, um, 
in this, you can say, is there evidence of a complaining party? And then, of course, the responsive answer is only yes or no. I think I mentioned this. So you don't, you do not ask if there was a complaining party or you think it is. You say, is there evidence of a complaining party, yes or no? And then if they say yes, you say, okay, what is the evidence and who gave it to you? Right? So what is that evidence, who gave it to you? They typically don't have it. And then apparently you think there is evidence here or you can feeling that evidence from me, yes or no. Okay, so if they say there's evidence and they're not going to tell you where it is, they have to be concealing it, right? Then you say evidence of a complaining party consists of facts proving there are citizens and the state. This requires showing a voluntary relationship of, of allegiance and the duty to protect. This is impossible for them to do, right? Now, can I... Say, can I can I ask what if like you say you're at the arraignment the officer's not there because he use, he or she usually only shows up at the trial so you're at the arraignment and the and you asked for this evidence because you'd like to see it please present it now or dismiss the yes. case and they say that well I've got a statement I've got a copy of the ticket I've got a sworn statement from a peace officer well I, I'm a, I'm gonna go into that here if you listen I I, I have that covered in this I didn't cover it yet it's a good okay. question. That I'm going to cover. If you follow through what I'm saying, it leads into a trap for them. All right? Perfect. Okay. You will say. Okay. okay. So, then you say, do you, in referring to the prosecutor, have any evidence to prove that you represent anyone other than yourself? Yes or no? Okay. So, so basically, he has to, if he does represent anybody else, he has to prove it, okay? And now, if you're on the cross, direct cross-examination to a cop, for example, you say, is there evidence to prove that the prosecutor represents anyone other than himself? And it puts them in a box again, all right? Now, then you say, can you prove that he or she or they have standing to complain against me. So this is referring to the prosecutor, the cop, and all these different parties, right? In other words, one way to say, to say if, they, if they have standing to complain, or another way is to say, where is their claim against you, right? Because a claim actually trumps a complaint in that way. Uh, next, uh, you ask, do you, referring to them, have evidence to prove one or more of his or her or their legal rights was violated, referring to them. Were their legal rights violated in this? Right? They have to respond, yes or no. Then you say, if yes, if their, if their legal rights were violated, which legal right was violated? And you're not going to help them out on that. Right? That's typically life, liberty, and property. Right? Now, if the judge enters a plea of not guilty, that's usually refusing you or refusing uh, refusing to cooperate or refusing to give an ID or whatever it is. But then you say, you ask the this is really cool, listen, this is very, very key. You ask to say, sir, referring to the judge, on whose behalf did you enter the plea? And then you say, do you represent me, yes or no? 
referring to the judge. Then you say, can you enter a plea on my behalf and not be representing me? And, so, and then you say, then on whose behalf was the plea entered? All right? Puts them in the box. And then you, you may ask there at this point, sir, who do you, who do you represent here? Okay, and then, then you hold the ticket in your hand and say, is this a, is this a civil action? Yes or no? And then the next one, does this ticket present a valid cause of action? Yes or no? And then you say, is this civil case in the nature of a contract dispute or a tort? They probably don't know what you're talking about. The contract dispute actually is basically dealing with a person entering a contract with another party, contract with another party, and basically there's a violation of the terms of the contract. A tort is one man damaging another man. And that's more in common law. Now, we have another question, by the way. Yes, go ahead. Georgia, your phone just unmuted. Go ahead. Hello. Go ahead. Yes. Okay, I just have a general question um, because I've been listening a little bit. Um, a friend of mine referred me to this to kind of listen to your podcast, and this is the first time I've joined in to listen to it. I'm a little confused by some of the things because I know the court system. I've majored in criminal justice. I have a degree in criminal justice. And I'm confused by some of the things that you're explaining about, I guess, backing up to the issue about challenging certain um, traffic tickets where you're asking about standing. And I guess the part that I'm a little confused by when you're speaking of this issue um, that's dealing with um, challenging, like, um, the prosecutor, if they have the right to prosecute you. Because from my understanding, when you're talking about traffic tickets, you're, first of all, breaking a moving violation. Okay. Okay. Well, so okay, well, I'll let you proceed, and I'll ask you. I'll wait till you finish. Go ahead. I'm sorry, say that again? I'll wait till you finish your, your statement, then, then I'll give you an answer. I'm just listening. Go ahead. Okay, when you're, say, when you're saying the challenging part, that's what I'm saying, though. You're, you're making it seem as if if you break a law, okay, you're challenging on, um, you know, the different things that you're explaining. But I'm saying... But And I don't know. Every state is different because I, I have no idea when you're speaking of certain things. California has certain regulations. Georgia has certain regulations and so forth. So to me, you're speaking in general of of every state, which is kind of inaccurate, too, you know, when you're well, I'm speaking. Well, I'm not referring to specific states. I'm talking about everything as a whole. Now, let me make a point here. As far as dealing with statutes, codes, rules, and regulations, all of these items are under color of law. Now, do you know the difference between law and color of law? Mm-hmm. You do. Okay, what is the difference? Okay, first of all, let's back up here. When you're mentioning a lot of different things about um, – I, I also heard another part that I wanted to mention, too, where you were talking – um, I think it's you're mixing some things of civil litigation with with um, traffic violations too, which are two different court systems. 
Well, I'm not mixing anything. What I'm referring to, everything is based. If you listen very closely what I'm saying, when the person is being charged, they have to have a a verifiable claim really against them, and they have to have, A, an injured party, or they have to have a contract violation or dispute. Now, the only thing that people are subject to is violating law, law passed by the legislature. When you're dealing with statutes, codes, rules, and regulations, these are not laws passed by by the legislature. These are under color of law. Now, the color of law under statutes, codes, rules, or Sessions codes, rules, and regulations are only really applicable to public officials. That's who they okay. that's what it's geared to, not the average not the standard population of the men and women living breathing souls. There is no parity between the corporation, which is them, and living breathing souls. Two different ent- two different uh okay. parties. So so when you're speaking of traffic Tickets. Are you saying that all traffic tickets are under color of law instead of statute? They're all under color of law. Okay, so when a person breaks, um, and I know here in Georgia, I'm sure a lot of people I've been charged with, with you know, a, a traffic ticket. Say for instance, um, you're saying that, and they cite on the ticket itself the statute for the state of the whatever you're breaking, whether it's speeding violation or what have you, a statute. So that's where I'm getting confused of what you're talking about, color of law and not statutes. The statute is under color of law. Okay. The statute is an example of something that's under color of law. A statute is not passed by the legislature. A statute is made up by attorneys or whatever for a certain area for public officials to follow. These are only laws made for the public officials, not for the living, breathing man or woman. There so is a difference. Saying, okay, so you're saying so, that the so you're so, saying that the statutes I'm sorry, statutes are the same as color of law, but they're not made by legislators. That's correct. Statutes. Okay. You look, you look, you look I don't know where that's coming from, but that's, that's not true. Okay, well... I, what, about, I will, what about the statutes that are passed by legislators, like a bill this or act this and things like that? Well, well, the statutes that are there, okay, basically the statutes I'm talking about under color of law, and you have law on one side that as far as the way things work. Typically, I'm looking at the statutes, codes, rules, and regulations are in a separate department altogether. That's below that's below the past legislation. Typically, a law, any laws to, to be proper, have enabling acts. And if you take a look at statutes, they don't have any enabling acts. And that's for one thing. Okay, so there's no enabling act. There's nothing tie-in to for people to obey it, right? Okay, so you're saying so, that you can break a, a moving violation, not get sentenced to jail, even though it goes through a 
magistrate court, which is usually under state court jurisdiction, you're saying that um, basically get a ticket, not pay it, or even if you go to court and you're found guilty, nothing's going to happen to you because well, I, I have I have stopped I have stopped major cases with criminal. I mean, with uh, with moving violations and all that stuff, I have wiped them. Okay, with the court. There's several areas you look at. It's not just the statutes you're looking at. Then the two areas that can come against you as far as a complaint are what? What are the two areas that you can be attacked under as far as lawfully? I'm asking you a question. Under, uh, you're saying what the jurisdiction that it comes under mainly, and you're saying it's not under a jurisdiction. You're, right. When you when you're ticketed here in Georgia, like well, I said, let me let me let me let me let me back up. You asked me to answer your question. When okay. you're ticketed here in Georgia, I know for a fact that you're under um you know, under the I'm saying state, you know, there's called codes. Look it up in uh, Google it. You know, to give you an example, Florida calls it statute. statute. Georgia right. calls it codes. So here in Georgia, you know, under codes, you're breaking certain codes, like whether you were speeding. I know. Let, let, let me show you something. If you and take and them, I guess what I'm trying to tie it back into is that you do face jail time. There's nothing to say, oh, well, you know, they're well, man-made Hey, Walter, can, say, can, I, can I interject for just a moment? Yeah. Maybe yeah. I can simplify it. Okay. So codes, statutes, and regulations. You know, traffic laws fall under statutes and codes and all that stuff. Okay? So what color law means is that those codes, statutes, and regulations are binding upon public officials and no one else. So if you're not a public official and you're going faster than the speed limit, technically you're not breaking the law because that that code or whatever does not apply to you. Now, if you're in a in a place where your speed limit's 20 miles an hour and there's kids around and you're going 50 miles an hour, that's not necessarily a code violation, but that is something that creates. Um, a hazard or something that creates a danger to the public and under common law then the police do have the right to pull you over and address your conduct because you're doing something that is dangerous okay so code statutes and regulations fall under commercial law however this nation was founded as a common law nation common law basically states do what you want just don't harm anybody or don't injure anybody and don't damage their property, um, do not have mischief in your contracts, do what you say you're going to do. And the other one that is not commonly talked about is what I just said, do not do something that creates um, unsafe conduct that would cause a hazard in the public. Yes. Well, one more thing to add to that, as far as simplify it, is that when they, time they, they use the word statute, they refer to the word person. And you look up the word person, this is trying to tell you. The word person always refers to a corporation, a partnership, a trust, or a state. It never refers to a living, breathing soul. It also refers to a public official. All right? So none of those terms refer to a living man, and you can easily prove that 
by looking up those terms. And this is the terms I rely on. And when you come in and say this, you have to follow those statutes, codes, rules, and regulations. Basically, you do it uh, either A, under fear uh, for, for being stopped, or B, okay, the, you believe that you're also a public official. Okay, and then, of course, you know, I, I drive around, I don't have any tickets and everything like that, but I, I realize what's going on out there, too. But knowing that the the laws out there, the actual laws are made for the protection of people and their property and their life and their liberty, okay, and not to strip away all of their property, life, and liberty by demeaning statutes, rules, and regulations, which can ruin a person's life instantly, which are not meant for them. All right? So this is where I'm coming from. So I would also like to state that since these rules, statutes, and regulations are meant for public officials, any time they are applied to um, people, like speeding tickets or criminal code or whatever, what that really is is a gross misapplication of those codes, statutes, and regulations. Okay, so let me ask you that. I'm listening to everything that you're saying. Okay. But if you go through the court system, you know, and use the terminology that you're using, uh-huh. you know, which is fine because, you know, you can go into a court and say anything to a judge. They're going to listen to you. But, okay, I'm, and I'm just going to take what you're saying. If I go to court, I get a ticket, and I say, well, you know what? These are just under the color of law, you know, repeating exactly what you said, uh-huh. that these weren't made for me, right. you know, that the, the statutes or what have you. And the judge ends up saying, well, you know what, I don't listen to the color of the law. I only, uh, I'm only i applicable to the statutes. Well, if they, okay, if so, they, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And this is, so, I find you guilty by the statute. So okay. my question goes back to, well, I, I'm not understanding all of what you're saying. <laughs> because it's Okay, like, so let me explain. He was, Walter was going through this whole list of questions that he asked judges on this uh, piece of paper. Okay? Uh-huh. And that's why. Because what he's doing is with all these questions that they have to answer, he's cornering them by saying that they are misapplying color of law. And that's how you do it. You don't try to explain to a judge, well, this is color of law. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're going to turn around and just instantly say, well, you're right, let me not go by the statute. Correct. So let me explain one – hold on. Let me explain one other thing. Do you know what the court registry information system is? Yes. Explain it. (laughs) What are you trying to explain to me? Well, I want to know what your definition of it is. Just explain to me what you're trying to say. The registry system in itself, you're saying looking up cases? No. Okay, no, not the, public, you, not the public well, record. But, but backing up, what does all of this have to do? Okay, you're, hold you're, it. You're stop. About stop. Registry still has nothing to do with defending yourself in court. Okay, stop. The court registry information system is the monetary system of the court. That's where the court takes their judgments, which is a public debt, and they deposit them and they monetize them. 
The court is making money off of these cases. That is a okay, conflict so of interest. This, what does all of this still have to do with what we're really talking or discussing today? It's still bad. Because everything in the court is a for everything that's done in the court is a fraud. Okay, but that's my question. That's, you're saying it's a fraud. If I go to court and say exactly your wording, oh, this is just a fraud in itself, they're just going to laugh me out of court. Correct. So that's why I'm I'm just wondering why you're not staying on point about specifics of how to, and I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, because this is the first time that I'm listening to your program, but... I don't know. It's uh, I'm just totally confused because well, I work right within here. the court system here in Georgia, so I know how it works, and that's why. Right, listen, I, listen, I lived in Georgia too for a while. I know what's going on over there. So okay. I, I lived well, all over the country, including Fulton County. I've worked in the court system, so I'm just saying that's why I'm just confused by not sticking to the point. Okay. Normally, when you go to court, you have to fight the charge itself. Now, all of this other stuff that you're saying, well, it's under the color of law, and I've seen this happen, literally in the same courtroom that I was in, where a person sat there and said, well, I'm not under the jurisdiction of, you know, the state of Georgia. They did all this stuff. You know what the judge said to them? But I am here to uphold the laws of Georgia, not all this other stuff. So that's why I'm telling you how things, you know, work a lot of times. Uh, it's called corruption, a, and we understand it very well. I made, I, made, I made a comment at this point. When you go in there, you ask the judge if, they're go, if you're going to discuss law, and the judge will say yes. And when he brings up statutes, codes, or rules, or regulations, you say no, we, do, we are ready to we decided to discuss law. Statutes, codes, rules, and regulations are not law. They're under color of law. Okay, then if they don't agree with you, then what am I supposed to do? Then that, so the battle is not going to be easy. Five minutes. Well, I'm trying to give. What I'm trying to do tonight is give some some general questions to box these people in the corner. You don't go in and say and, and just jump around like a wild man and say these are statutes, codes, rules, regulations. You can put them into their corner by asking them specific questions where the logical conclusion is they don't have any authority to move against you. This is the whole purpose of me having this show to show people how to do this successfully. Okay, uh, so sir, okay wait a minute, sir. Uh, North, so hold it, hold it, hold it, sir. Uh, we are running out of time here. We do have some other people that have their hand raised. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to come back next week and continue to listen okay. to what he has to say. Uh, not, not, only that, not only that, go listen to the are old show. Are you all attorneys? No. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, West Oklahoma, when your phone on mute, it's your turn. Yeah, I was uh, I'm a little concerned about the applies only to public officials. It looks like uh, it applies to anybody who actually walks in to a department and uh, applies for it, but primarily it should be for transportation. Transportation of persons or property, regulated regulated activity, open to the public, you know, a public safety issue where you can uh, get a little tab, you know, they keep tabs on you. 
make sure your equipment's up to date okay. and all that well, stuff. But it's transportation. They're, they're only concerned with commercial activities that includes the driver's license. So if you are publicly transporting people for a fee, you need to have a driver's license. This is something you wouldn't normally have to have just by driving around by yourself, minding your own business, and, and just traveling. Driving yeah. refers only to the commercial activity, and everything else that refer to refers to a commercial activity. So we've got definitions. I, I was just going to say we have definitions where I'm at about what a vehicle, you know, well, people can get. There's, people there's can get a lot confused on the definitions, but the use of it is very specific. You know, it says a vehicle used to transport persons. Or property, and when you go into traffic, it goes into uh, commerce and defines what transportation is. Well, there, these, there whole, these officers don't know that. Their their whole thing is is only dealing with the commercial aspect. But most of us mm-hmm. are operating on the private side. Is that right? Not everybody is a commercial truck driver or a taxi taxi cab driver or any, anything in that capacity. Most of us are driving around in our truck or vehicle or whatever we have, you know, from point A to point B to shop and do our, our other activities that we need to support ourselves and maintain our comfort level. These are not these are not activities which are not which are on the commercial side. Actually when yeah. you study it with Supreme Court decisions, the driver's license is not required for a person traveling. Okay, and that's been showing over and over again. So when people are applying, I just wonder why so many people are applying, applying for something that they're not doing. You know what I mean? It's all a big scheme. Well, of course, uh, the the key word is transportation. Uh, Of of course, it is. Now, I have successfully. Go ahead. Sorry, Walter. Is a delay, and I I was was trying to say something. I I have successfully. uh, Again, I was just—I was going to—I was just going to conclude with, uh, the, yeah, it's basically transportation, and you're giving a lot of uh, good information in general about the uh, what to say in court, but it looks like a lot of it should be in writing on the motion. Well, I, I have, facts, done, you know what I mean. I, I have, but I'm trying to yeah. explain it. This is what the whole purpose of it is on the on the show to have people's minds open. I have defended people without driver's licenses, and I wind up winning in court with my paperwork, and they never have been bothered by the police again. And that is a fact, and I've got people to prove it. So I'm not talking out of my hat and making up statements. I can back up everything I am saying. Okay, so you have to know what the law is, how to defend it, and be willing to stand up for it. If you're not, then you're, I guess you're just one of the other people out there that want to just listen to what to do and not identify as far as what's right. But anyway, that's that's another issue. Okay, so, what I'm saying is I've done this for people, all right? So I'm, I'm speaking, I speak only from experience, not from something I just read somewhere. All right, we got a couple more people with their hands raised. Colorado, you're next. Yeah. 
Uh, just for the uh, benefit of, of uh, the guy from Georgia, um, this guy asked a, uh, shall we say, judge, um, is this proceeding proceeding under color of law? And he said the judge got a little sly smile on his face and said, yes. That's all I've got. Thank you. Okay. Uh, California, go ahead. Oh, thanks. I was just going to share also, um, Walter, hit, Walter, you hit it on the head with the commercial activities. And I was yes. actually, yeah, and I was actually in court. And like all these people are saying, and like you've really drilled into us, it's not easy, but it is lawful. And I know for me, it took me a couple hours in court and I had to go through two judges and the first judge kept having the bailiff, you know, motion towards me with his hand on his whole service, this whole intimidation tactic. But I wouldn't back down on the issue of jurisdiction and I wouldn't back down on the commercial activity and all these little points that you're making, even though they just kept hammering at me. And I was like, you know what, this is the law and you guys need to be aware of it just like I do. And ignorance is not an excuse. And it took probably two and a half or three hours and two judges, but I prevailed. And so thanks for getting that information out there. And for you in Georgia, you may have studied it, but this is the real stuff. And Walter's the real deal. And if you're willing to follow the law, you'll get there. It just may take you a while. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Walter, we're kind of at our hour right now. Is there anything else? Well, actually, I'm I'm about a third of all we have way through my presentation. (laughs) Well, why, don't we, why don't we continue it next week then? That's, I have a lot more to share, by the way. I'm sure you do. <laughs> but things are really hey, hot right now, and i got to get up and move around a little bit. Another thing for another thing for the guy in Georgia, uh-huh. It's the first thing he's got to do is unlearn all this stuff that's been programmed into our head. I don't call it travel. I call it steer. I steer down the road. I don't drive. It's a steering wheel, not a driving wheel. And there's a reason for that. Driving is commercial operation. It's a totally different thing. And they always presume everyone to be driving. And all of us make the mistake of getting a driver's license. So we're to blame. We consent in contract. Right. Because there's only way, the only two ways they can get you is through a contract dispute or a tort. As far as lawfully. And what they're doing is they're putting everything on the administrative side, and the courts are, uh, the courts are not being, uh, they don't, the operators are not Article Three courts because they're not Article Three judges, and Article Three judges are the only ones who can hear our matters. And the, since the courts are not Article Three courts, and they can only, they only handle uh, administrative matters which dealing with corporations, trust partnerships, and states, things like this, not the living man. So basically, we're out of their jurisdiction to begin with. And so when you go in the court and the judge asks you, who are you, John Doe, whatever it is, you say, are you asking for the living man, or are you asking for the, the fictional entity? The judge will have to say the living man. Then you say, well, there is no jurisdiction between the corporation or the court and the living man, okay? And I want to see you 
prove it under ten, under penalties of perjury, waiting signs so we can enter this into the record that that my that my statement is incorrect and they can't. And, and there's all kinds of ways to hit these guys. And I, I didn't go right. anywhere near anywhere where I could have in this whole presentation. All right, so let's continue next week. So thank you, Walter. Sure, you're welcome. And everybody else, thank you very much for showing up. And please join us next week. Tell your friends about it. And the guy in Georgia, feel free to come back. And we'll be happy to do what we can to uh, re-educate you, so to speak. So, all right, everybody, good night. Go go listen to the old shows. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.